What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Imperfect Church Podcast. We are about to hop into part two of Keep Pushing featuring my dad. So uh, I hope if you have enjoyed part one, uh, thank you again for tuning in. Uh, it's always a blessing and an honor just to be in the presence of my dad, let alone to hear him speak and him sharing his wisdom in his heart. So once again, we're hopping into part two. Enjoy. Thank you so much. Appreciate you all. I don't think How can knows. you hate a group? Even if somebody has filled your head with a bunch of nonsense, how can you hate them? But that's but that's the problem. It's different if they did something personally to you, if they hurt you or abuse you, but just by hearing all this shit, you know, coming from everywhere about this group or that group. But still, even when it hasn't affected you, how can you hate them? Yeah. I don't understand that. I think people have, I think you have to be taught to hate people. You do. I would I would assume you do. You do. Because the funny thing is, it's like, if you take a group of kids together from all different races, backgrounds, whatever, they'll all play. Yeah. Right? They don't look at themselves as black, white. Exactly. Asian, Hispanic, they don't, they look at themselves as we are kids. We're yep. here to have fun. And kids yep. are the most egocentric, selfish things there are. But when we become adults for some reason, it turns into us and them. That's right. Exactly right. Which is crazy. It is crazy. And uh, there's so much stuff that we can learn from being exposed to different cultures and different people exactly. and different backgrounds and exactly. upbringings and, and is why wouldn't you want to embrace that? Why wouldn't you want to realize that these people over here do something different in their history and their culture? That's what makes the world go round. Right. All these different cultures and uh, like I say, America is probably the biggest melting pot in the world. Right. We get people from everywhere, or, or any kind of background, cultures, you name it, all right here in one pot. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's, you know, sometimes you just wonder where hate found its way into this melting pot. But well, it has. Well, you think it's funny because most of the people who came to this country were fleeing persecution. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the people who were oppressed are now becoming oppressive. Exactly right. You know, you think about how many different cultures were destroyed and people moved out of their land where their kids grew up in slavery. And you think about all, and, and not even just African slavery and the transatlantic slave. They had Irish slaves and indentured servant. People just yep. mistreating people in the name of trying to, I don't know, have money or power and it's just it's sickening sometimes when you think of it and yeah. it's sickening how much that impacts and influences our mind now yeah even like you think about like church right yeah church is probably one of the most segregated things there are in this country yeah and that's crazy yeah it is and uh it's it's sad to uh even think about the ugly history that America has. I mean, from 
1700s right on up to this present day um, it's the one that anybody has been able to survive it all because there's been some brutal and cruel things that man has done to other man in America right and uh, uh, it's just sickening and there again uh, I don't know if things will ever get to a point wherein we can live a very civil life amongst each other. Uh, you know, will we ever overcome this hatred and disrespect for other people? Uh, will black people ever get to a point where they don't have to rely on a white man to survive. You know, like other uh, ethnic groups have come here and, and deal well for themselves. Uh, I, I think that comes from us not having pride about who we are and, and, well, and not taking advantage and not taking advantage of the ability to get an education and then just broken homes. Broken homes, it's very complex. Broken homes, or uh, uh, mothers trying to raise boys, uh, economics, uh, people's attitudes, lack of education. There's so many things, man, so many factors. And uh, uh, the key is, man, people got to become educated, educated to know, to make a better life for themselves and to know what the hell's going on around them. Yeah. You got to be educated to that, man. You got so many people, man, who day-to-day -day struggles is just to survive alone. They don't look at what's happening outside, what outside may be influencing their lives. They can't see that far. Right. A lot of people can't, man. And it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. You know, uh, thank God we got a, a TV to turn on and got our computers and and uh, these things on the internet. Well, a lot of these these things that are happening are brought into people's minds. Now you know. But some people, man, they don't know what the hell's going on. They don't know what the hell's going on downtown. They don't know what the city planners are planning. They don't know how it's affecting them. And a lot of them really don't care because of their daily struggles just to survive. They don't care nothing about what's going on outside. Yeah, I think one of the things one of the things you taught me as a kid, where you told me, and this has always kind of stuck with me, is that the two worst things you can be is ignorant and poor. Exactly. Exactly. It's a trap. If you can't find a way to dig yourself out, hey man, look. You just think about it. If you had to go to a 7-Eleven or a drugstore to pick up what you need because you don't have transportation to go to a grocery store, big right. chain grocery store or a shopping center or something like that, you're going to pay more money. That's true. If you got to go to one of these uh, rent-to-buy places to buy a TV or a stove or furniture or whatever, right? 
Yeah, you get what you want, but you pay two or three times what that item is worth. That's true. And these places are geared toward poor people. Right. And you know what? Some people can't see beyond that. They can't see beyond that. They can't see that. Yeah, you might get your your stove or your refrigerator or your TV, but damn, look what you're paying for. And why are you paying it? Because you're poor. Right. Because you're poor. You know you can't afford to go out and get credit where you can get it at the best price. And man, that's the damn problem. That's just one example. You know, when you're poor, man, you got to live just like a lot of them people that live in these cities. And you know, living from paycheck to paycheck, them people become trapped in this situation. They right. can't get out. Yeah. They can't. Same thing about these people living in these projects. Particularly that one in Durham where they had all them damn problems, Madougal Terrace or whatever the hell the name of the place was. Them people are trapped in there. They can't do no better. Right. You know, like they say, hey, damn, damn stoves leaking gas. <laughs> Get mold in the damn apartments and everything where they ain't went back in there. These maintenance people ain't, ain't taking care of them places. Yeah. Well, yet and still, them people in there, they're trapped. They can't just get up and move. Yeah. And man, I'm telling you. And why? Because they're poor and uneducated. Yeah. But, you know, some of them don't even realize that. So I how? mean, what, what, what parent don't want their child or children to be educated? I don't think it's that they don't want them to be educated. I think... You told me something too. Is that but what I'm saying? If you don't know any better, or you don't see you any better, you, you can't won't teach do any them. Better. You can't teach them what you don't know. Yeah. You can't teach them what you don't know. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, uh, the, the ones who have made it out have been exposed to something that made them want to get out of that situation. Right. You have to be exposed to something. But how yeah. do we expose people who are impoverished to a better life? Well, that's a load. That's a loaded question. <laughs> it is a loaded question, but uh, there's a lot of things we can do to uh, help our own people. Uh, churches, uh, uh, networking, uh, reaching back into the community, and uh, finding those people in need and trying to help them. Uh, it won't. It ain't an easy job, um, but a lot could be done. Now, so far as how, I don't have the answers to that. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You said churches. Yeah. You know, churches. Most of them don't even do what they're supposed to do. They don't. But that's the last. Really, when you think about things, churches. Uh, probably about the last stronghold we got so far as people gathering and communicating you know I'm talking about uh, pre-virus uh, a lot of people go to church more so than anywhere else so far as particularly in the black community right uh, you can a lot of things can come out of the church that you can't get nowhere else because a lot of churches have programs to help the people 
in the church and in the community. Right. Now, where else you gonna get that? That's that is very true. Uh, a lot of churches, I think, try to do the best job, but now churches have kind of shifted in how they do a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I mean, now it's more of a come as you are, which is a good thing. You know, the days of wearing suits to church are almost obsolete. Yeah. Uh, but the main, the majority purpose of a church is to disciple people. Yeah. To be followers of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I would even say now more so with a lot of churches, they even do a terrible job at that. Yeah. And I think I wrote so many of them, uh, particularly when you look at these mega churches, sometimes you often, uh, I often wonder or question or uh, what is their purpose? I mean, or uh, why do you need a uh, 2,000 people in one church. I mean, where nobody knows nobody. Well, you know, you might know them indirectly. Right. Or as a sometime acquaintance. And uh, it's almost like being in a small classroom where the teachers and students get to know each other rather than a classroom of 200 wherein nobody really knows anybody. Right. And you know, it's the same thing with churches. I don't believe churches need to be that big. You know, because a lot of it is just all about money. You know and what so? I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's all about. All these mega churches, them preachers standing up there in the pulpit every Sunday or whenever, all the millionaires. You know, hey, you got this big mega church with all this money coming in there, all this money coming in there. But when you think about it, shit. Them people probably don't even know a tenth of the members. Yeah, well, also, all that money doesn't just come from the people. I mean, the, there's a small percentage of people well, that look actually at them. The Preachers writing books and everything else. They got book deals and different endorsements. Yeah, but I think a church needs to be uh, wherein people can know each other and interact with each other rather than being in a setting of a bunch or hundreds of people, that's no good. Right, and it's not personal where people are really Absolutely. on grow and develop. No. Yeah, and that's... and that's It's the same thing like a, a small college and a big college. You know, when I was in college, which I went to a small college, you just about knew everybody on campus. Yeah, same here. You just about knew everybody. You might not know them on a, a personal level, but you knew them from seeing them so often. Right. Big school, man. Shit, you just see people. You might see somebody one day and don't see them again for months. Right, yeah. And uh, uh, that's the difference. You get to know people, man, and they get to know you even if they just see you. Yeah. And that that's where it's hard with bigger churches because a massive amount of people they don't usually have good settings for small groups in that biblical community that yeah. all people need. Yeah. And I think that's what's missing our society more than anything else. These small biblical communities where people can get sound leadership, sound gospel-centered guidance and all that stuff. And I mean, that's a hard thing to come by now. And you know, uh, 
that was one thing that I really liked about Elevation Baptist Church. Uh, the one you went to as a child growing up. As a child, yeah. That was a very, very warm church. All the members seemed to know each other. Right. Uh, the camaraderie was so warm and I mean, and the members generally, genuinely cared about each other. Right. And I don't care where you was, if you saw it out in public, you saw a church member, there was always some type of communication between you. Right. How you doing? Don't care where they saw you at. And uh, uh, that meant so much. But when that church broke up, man, that was, that was really, really kind of hard. You know, because all these good people just went their own way. Yeah. And that church was, like I said, was so warm, man. So warm. Everybody knew everybody. And, you know, even when church was over, before church would start, you know, people greeting you. and How you doing? How's the family? And you almost like some of them, like you say, you might not known on a personal level. Well, you had some idea about them. Right. You know? Hey, that's uh, brother so-and-so's son or daughter. Uh, he's in the choir or she's in the choir. Or uh, on this or that, he's an usher and all like that. Everybody knew everybody in that church. Yeah. And uh, that makes a difference. Yeah. When you, like I say, you got thousand people in there. Hell, nobody don't know you from Adam. That's true. Sure. You know, except for them that might know you personally. You know, maybe y'all live in the same neighborhood or something, but you know, to me, that always makes a difference, man. Yeah. You said your grandfather was very religious. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a religious person? Not very. Why do you think that is? I believe in God, or I believe in prayer. I believe in his love and his grace. But there again, I'm not uh, one who is, uh, I don't try to claim like I'm religious because I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I don't go to church, but that don't mean I don't pray. That don't mean that I don't believe in God. I do. But, uh, I'm just a typical man. I got my own thoughts about religion and everything else. But uh, so far as me being a religious man, I would say no. Not that I'm not that much into religion. Yeah. I don't read the Bible. Uh, I can't quote no scripture. <laughs> I don't know no. I used to know a few Bible verses. That's about it. That's all I know. I don't know the Bible. Uh, I know some Bible stories, things of that nature, but so far as being a religious man, I'm not. Yeah. And uh, I ain't ashamed to tell nobody I'm not. But I do have a uh, degree of humanity about me, about my character, that I try to display everywhere I go. Right. Uh, but uh, no. And my grandfather was different. He believed in God with all his heart, by and 
you know, he was a deacon in the church, always doing something in the church, working with people. Everybody loved him, everybody respected him. I'm talking about you folks outside of my family. He was just a, a, a great man. As I said many times, I never met another man in my life as good as my grandfather. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking about every man I've ever met. None of them couldn't compare to him. None of them. It was just something about that man that I wish I could be like him. He just had an impeccable character about himself. I mean, always trying to help somebody without looking for any reward. Yeah. Uh, he loved his family. He loved his grandchildren. It was nothing he couldn't do with his hands. I mean, he was just, and he was uh, quite a disciplinarian too. I mean, hey, I wish I could, uh, could tell you how many times he got me and disciplined me. <laughs> I think I got it more than any of his other any of his other grandchildren. <laughs> you told me some stories about them whoopings. <laughs> Were you a Man, bad kid? I was. Uh, I had my problems. <laughs> yeah, I sure did. And uh, uh, yeah, but uh, he, we, uh, as children, we might not be able to express it then, but we loved the ground he walked on. Yeah. There were so many things he could do, man. And of course, we didn't really take notice of them because we were kids. But as we became uh, young adults and looked back at the things that he had done and how much strength he had in our family and how everybody in the family looked up to him. Right. It was absolutely amazing. It was nobody who disrespected him. Nobody. And he wasn't no domineering figure of a man or nothing like that, but it was his character. Right. His character that made him the man he was, man. He was just special. Do you think that had anything to do with his faith in God? Absolutely, I know it did. I know it did. My grandfather, would never turn down anybody in the need of help. Mm. He wouldn't do it. That wasn't a part of his character. You know, I was telling you about my Uncle George. My Uncle George was, all he did was walk the street days. And well, he was uh, my grandfather's sister's husband, but they had divorced or separated or something. He didn't live with her right. anymore. My grandfather took him in, man. You think granddaddy charged him any rent to stay there? No. We charged him a damn. Had his own room and everything. And the, all, the, all he did, didn't do nothing around the house, didn't try to help out with no chores or nothing that needed to be done around the, All he did was walk the street days. He come home, he ate his dinner, he went back upstairs to his room <laughs> to the next day. So he didn't, he, have right back. he didn't have a job or nothing? No. I gather he was, at that time, he was retired. Mm. You know, he gets a check every month, I guess. I gather it was Social Security, I don't know. But that was how good my grandfather was, man. You know, 
whatever he did for people, he didn't look for nothing in return. Right. Nothing. And, uh, man, I remember seeing my grandfather sitting on the front porch, man, and uh, he have a a bottle of milk with the cream on top. And I would see him out there beating that bottle on his thigh right here. Yeah. Getting the butter off of that milk. And when he got done, he had a big old cake of homemade butter. I mean, good butter, that rich butter. Yeah. And the rubber. I told you about the time he grew a pineapple tree. Yeah, I remember you. He grew a pineapple. Yeah, used to keep. It took him a long time to do it, but he did it. Sure did. He used to keep that uh, uh, that pineapple bush right upstairs where it would get that morning sun. And uh, they had a window there where he sat it right in front of that window. Won't no curtains on that window, nothing. But when that sun came up in the morning from the east, yeah, that plant got all that sun. And he had fruit trees all over the yard. Cherry tree in the front yard. Apple tree, peach tree, fig bush. I mean, it wasn't nothing he couldn't do. Yeah. He was an amazing, amazing man, boy. I wish just one mustard seed of his knowledge could have rubbed off on me. See, sometimes that's the way I, that, that is the way I feel about you. I really do. In my hierarchy of people, you were there. Yeah. <laughs> I tried. I tried. But, uh, man, I tell you, boy, uh, ain't many people can say that about a person uh, that's, you know, been a part of their life. But I love the ground he walked on. Yeah. I sure did. And like I said, I done met a whole lot of people in my life. Nobody like him. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. And uh, uh, I miss him today. I think about him quite often. And uh, he was special to me. Always will be. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's good that you had that type of influence, especially not knowing your biological dad. Yeah. He was the only father I knew. And uh, at times he was a father and a mother. Uh, I remember him and uh, this lady, he was, I don't know what granddaddy was married to or they were living together or what, but anyway, uh, him and uh, this lady named Virginia, she, uh, they came to New York to get me and my sister, me and Cookie. And they raised us until uh, grandfather and this lady split up. And then for a long time, uh, uh, it was just cooking I and my grandfather. Wow. And then, you know, later on, uh, mama came back home. Mama was living in New York and she came back home to uh, help us raise, uh, help raise cooking me. And uh, during that time, granddaddy got sick, uh, he was suffering from dementia, of course, they didn't know what it was then. Right. And uh, uh, Mama went through a tough time with him, you know, and uh, uh, almost <laughs> almost put her in bad health, you know. Uh, you know, 
he'd get up sometime and say he was going home. He might be standing at the top of the steps with his pajamas on. Yeah. And the baseball cap on. You know, he going home. And we be trying to tell him, Granddaddy, you already home. You already home. Nope. Next thing you know, he didn't watch him close. He been on wandered off somewhere. Wow. Yeah. Do you think that played a big effect on you all throughout life or do you feel like you were able to compartmentalize those things? I think the things he taught me stuck with me uh, as a young man and uh, as an adult, you know, a mature adult, because the things he tried to, that he taught us and instilled in us is still with me today. Uh, I mean, his teaching taught, taught us how to treat people, uh, taught us right from wrong. Uh, you know, I always had to, uh, been able to think, you know, uh, to do the right thing rather than the wrong thing because growing up as a young man in a small town, it was easy to get in trouble. It was easy to turn the wrong way. Right. But I think his influence on me kept me from that. Yeah. And, uh, He's been, uh, his influence on me has been tremendous, man. Tremendous, tremendous. And I guess I always consider myself a generous person. And I think I got that from him. Cause that was, that's the way he was. Right. That's the way he was, man. And uh, you know, like I say, always willing to, I used to see my grandfather down the street somewhere, mowing somebody's grass, cutting somebody's hedges doing something, fixing something for somebody else all the time and never reaping anything. Same thing with the church. He go to the church and he makes the fire in the church so the people, congregation come that they could be warm. He took care of the maintenance at the church and everything. He was a deacon in the church. I mean, always just a man of service. I mean, to everybody he met. That's just the way he was. That sounded like he had a good relationship with God because he was he basically did. imitating what he Jesus did. did what, he did. What done. Sunday morning, man. Sunday morning, man. We had to get on our knees and pray every Sunday morning before we ate. Mm. That was family tradition. Cookie, me, and my granddaddy, and my mama when she came home. When Sunday morning came, we always had a big breakfast. But you got on your knees and he would pray every Sunday morning. Wow. I ain't lying. And uh, I guess what I remember most, you know, back then, uh, you didn't go to church. You didn't go nowhere else that day. <laughs> you going to go to church. Of, yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of times we were, uh, one of the big pastimes of back, back then was uh, uh, kids would go to the movie on Sunday afternoon. Right. But if you didn't go to church, you didn't go to the movie. You know, that was just the way it was. You didn't go to church, you didn't go nowhere. And there wasn't no fuss about going to church. We normally did go. Right. But I remember we had this mantle in the living room. There wasn't no fireplace there. But my grandfather would always put five pennies on one corner of that mantle, five pennies on the other corner of that mantle. 
Five pennies for Cookie. Five pennies for me. Then when we got older, he increased it to ten pennies. Ten pennies for Cookie. Ten pennies for me. And every now and then, if we asked him, Granddaddy, will you give us money so we could buy lunch at school? Every now and then he would do that. I think lunch back then was like a quarter, something like that. Good luck with getting lunch for a quarter now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, I often told you about he worked for the city of Elizabeth City and how he, in the summertime, how he would come home and he'd always bring cinnamon buns or something, you know. Right. He'd sit and have lunch with all his grandchildren. Cousin Clarence, Marie, all Uncle Clarence's children and me and Cookie. We'd all be gathered around that table while he was there. And you said that was every day in the summer? Every day. He'd come home and he'd bring lunch. We either had cinnamon buns or preserved sandwiches, or sometimes if he had time, he'd cook hamburgers for us. I mean, every day, and we all be gathered around. We sit right there and watch him make sandwiches and stuff for everybody. Man, that's 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 family. That is incredible. Yeah, that's what I say, man. He loved his grandchildren, man. Even though he might not, you know, show any affection, but he did. You could tell by his deeds right. that he really loved his family. Sure did. Yeah, man. He was something, man. I tell you, boy. I can't say that about no other man I've ever met, but my granddaddy was special. Yeah. He was really a special, special, special man. Never seen nothing like it. And uh, I guess one of my fondest memories of my grandfather, like I say, my grandfather really, or uh, more so than my mother, he, he raised Cookie and I. And uh, I remember as a youngster, man, I used to get in that backyard and I'd be beating on trash cans, you know, playing drums, you know. Right. And beating on trash cans and all like that. So, I think, you know, I had a little bit of uh, potential talent. <laughs> and, you know, my grandfather bought me my first drum. Well, how old were you? Uh, I think I was a... A freshman in high school and I joined the high school band yeah and I wanted to play drums and my grandfather bought me my first drum wow. my first and only drum because I didn't know about one right but uh, he sure did it was a blue pearl yeah it had a pearl finish on it and uh, and I know he sacrificed to do that for me right but he, he wanted me to play them drums and he bought that drum for me. And wanted you to have the best, too. That's right. Sure did. Yeah. I'll never forget that, man. And uh, I played that drum all through high school and uh, part of the time when I was in college. But he made that possible for me. Right. Yeah, but that's why I say, man, and, uh, man, I can tell you countless things that he's done. But uh, he was always be precious and special to me. Yeah, I mean, I think he played a lot into who you are today. You know, oh, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of the stuff you taught me for sure. And 
extremely grateful for you, Dad. Love you more than you'll ever know. Yeah, and you know, like I said, uh, your mother and I both tried to do the best we could for you, uh, give you all we could give you, and you know, hoping that you'd make a good life for yourself. But I can tell you one thing, uh, and I know you're still young, you're still growing, still has a lot of growing to do as an, uh, an adult, and, and uh, you'll eventually get there. But uh, uh, I probably shouldn't even tell you this, but I'm going to. Uh, I just want you to have a good and healthy life. I want you to have all the things you want, all the things you dreamed about and hoped to get. And uh, uh, I know you, you probably still have a long way to go, you and Rachel, but to get there, man, you got to just want it. You have to want it, man. I mean, it's one thing to dream and hope, but you got to do what it takes to to see your dreams come true. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing. Y'all were traveling, went to Puerto Rico, uh, and, and uh, now you're going to South America, man. You know, those are things I was never able to do, but I'm glad that you all are doing those things. Right. Seeing the world, going where you want to go, doing what you want to do. And, uh, you know, and still you got so much more of life to live. Right. You know, I don't know how much more time I got here. Uh, you know, uh, ain't no ways the man I used to be. Thank God I still got my mental facilities. And, uh, but I just want to see you up on a cloud and happy, getting most of the things you want out of life. You know, it ain't so much about material things. Part of it's being happy, uh, you know, and uh, I've seen the way you love your daughter. And that means so much to me. And, I know she knows that her daddy loves her. She knows her papa loves her. And from what I see, boy, she's just a sweet, sweet child. Has a lot of compassion in her. She got more compassion than I ever seen any other human being. <laughs> she got way more compassion than I do. I mean, it's absolutely amazing, man. And boy, I'm gonna tell you right now, I didn't think I could ever love a child as much as I love that baby. Yeah, you love her more than you love me. <laughs> you don't have to answer that question. <laughs> nah, I mean well, that. Well, I'm going to tell you something, boy. She is special. She will always be special. And her papa's love for her is just it's endless. Yeah. Endless because she will always be special. And I just, the only thing I wish was that your mother 
could share her love for Emery. Yeah. Your mama would have ruined that girl. She would have ruined her. I said, probably, yeah. You know for what? Sure. When you would go to get Emery, if she wasn't sick and Emery would be here, she'd take that baby from you. Oh, I, I, without a doubt, I know that. She'd take that baby oh, from yeah. you. Oh, yeah. And you think her going all day shopping? Emery would be right there with her. Right there with her. Yeah, I don't doubt that at all. Right there with her, man, because she's always loved children. And uh, I think uh, one of the happiest times of her life was when Emery was born and when she used to keep Emery. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> that was something special. Yeah. It really was. But, uh, you know, I, I guess that's what bothers me, uh, to see her the way she is uh, and not being able to share that part of her because of illness now. You know, because... Uh, one thing I always loved about your mother, and I guess what won my heart, was that she was beautiful inside and out. Yeah. I mean, uh, she taught me a lot. About personal health and everything. I mean, things that, she, you know, uh, before I met her, I won't go into no doctors. I might have went to a doctor one time or right. something like that, but hey, we got married, man. She got me into that Duke Health System. I ain't never had to, uh, the whole time I was working, I ain't never had to pay no health insurance. Yeah. On a job. She always got me in on that. And I mean, she's just a wonderful mother. Wonderful mother. I mean, hey. I don't think I could ever, if something ever happened to your mama, I don't think I could ever love another woman. No, nah, nobody can compare to mom. And, uh, nope. you know, even with I her. I would never even want one to you, too. Yeah. <laughs> even with her condition is, I don't, I know for a fact I haven't fully processed everything yet. Yeah. I, I know that for a fact. Yeah. But, you know, if you really love somebody, man, you you stay there with good times and bad times, sickness and health. You know, I still love your mother. Oh, I know I'll you always, do. I I'll always love her until I'm gone, before she's gone. And, uh, you know, I took my wedding vow to be here for her. She took a vow to be there for me. She needs me, and as long as the good Lord give me health and strength to take care of her, that's what I'm gonna do. Exactly what I'm gonna do, until I can't no more. And you, you get to that point, then I take the next step. But, uh, you know, as long as I'm able, you know, I'm gonna be right there for her because I strongly believe that if I, if it was me, 
she'd be there for me. I really do believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I have no doubt in my mind really that she would be the same. I really do. You know, I, I hate to see her the way she is, you know, but, you know, hey, it is what it is. It's what it is. And uh, I just try to do the best I can do. You know, sometimes I, I feel like I ain't doing enough, but I'm trying. You, well, you're doing a better job than you think you are. Yeah, yeah, probably. And also, too, is the, the task that you have as a husband now is probably different than you could have ever imagined. It is. You know, even even now, if I knew what I knew uh, 38 years ago, I would probably would never married her. That's real. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look. All I was hoping for that we could grow old together. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I have them take care of one or take care of the other. But, you know, hey, that's life. Right. I mean, I mean, we all gonna get old. We all gonna have health issues. You know, a lot of people, you know, can't see it, but it's coming. Yeah. Sooner or later, man, you you know the body, the human body is just like anything else. It gets old, and the parts begin to wear out. That's true. It's true. I mean, when you're young, you don't realize it. You know, you I don't I won't go so far as to say you take everything for granted. But sooner or later, you realize, hey, I can't run as fast as I used to. Right. You get about forty-five or fifty. You, your old eyes start messing up on you. You can't see quite <laughs> can't as far see. as you used to see. <laughs> hey, your, your skills start slackening up. You ain't quite as sharp as you used to be. You know what I mean? And then there's one thing that's guaranteed is you're going to get out of here one day. Exactly. Just you as you're born, you're going to die. Yeah. And the, uh, the main thing is, man, make the best of your life as you can make it. Right. You know? Hey, that's life, man. You know, you you live, you learn, and you, you try to adjust to life's changes, and you just do the best you can do. You got to, as Curtis Mayfield used to say years and years ago, you just have to keep on pushing. Keep on pushing. That's right. Yeah. Keep on pushing. Because if you stop, hey, that might be the beginning of the end. So wagon might roll backwards. Absolutely. <laughs> might roll back on you. <laughs> roll back on you. Yeah. So you just, I mean, some things, you know, you get old, you learn to live with it. You know, but... Uh, you still got to keep a positive attitude about things. That's true. That's the main thing, man. Your mental state. You know, you, you know, you handle things the best way you can. You learn to minimize your life stresses. You know, life can be stressful, but you got to learn how to manage it, man. Right. Otherwise, you'll be going, you go nuts. Yeah, stress yeah. will take you out of here. It will. It will. Take you right out of here. Uh, 
just do the best you can. Make the best of life that you can make it. You know. You might have an old body, but you got to try to keep a young mind. <laughs> Stay sharp. That's right. Stay sharp. Absolutely. You know, you just can't become complacent with things. You know, one thing I'm, I'm glad, you know, I still have the knack to uh, see some things change. You know, the knack to uh, want something different or to have something different. Uh, you know, there's still a lot of things I want to do to this house. And, you know, I'll eventually get around to it. Right. But a lot of people, men my age, at this age, they become complacent. They don't care about fixing up nothing. I mean, hey, this is as far as it's going to get, you know? And, uh, I'm glad I hadn't reached that point. Do you ever think you'll reach that point? Yeah, when I get too old to do anything. That's <laughs> yeah, too different old when you old and can't do nothing. Yeah. You know, uh, but as long as my mind stays fresh, I can still see things that need to be done and things I would like to have done. Right. You know, uh, try to do some of it. I may not be able to do it all, but, you know, at least I'm grateful I'm thinking beyond just a day to day. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, so far, you know, things I said I wanted to do but so far I've been able to do it you know since I retired I've been able to do it you know and uh, you know took my time was patient and uh, did what little homework I needed to do and so far I'm kind of you know satisfied yeah kind of satisfied with you know things I want to do and got done there's still uh, quite a few things I want to get done and uh, eventually, if I keep living and uh, keep my mental faculties in order, uh, we'll, we'll get those done too. Yeah. You know, but, you know, just take a little patience and time. And we'll get around to it. Well, I learned one thing from you last Sunday when we were talking. What was that? You always have more time than money. That's exactly right. Exactly right. More time than money. Yeah, my so my mother used to tell me that all the time. Yep, you always have more time than you will money. Yep. Yep. True statement. I don't yep. know where she got it from, but it's true. Dad, I really appreciate you hopping on the podcast. We'll have to do this another time too. Yeah, it was uh it was good. It was good. Very good. It's therapeutic for me, I can tell you that. Well, yeah, let's hope you get a little something out of it, you know. You know, like I say, we we're two different people, we don't think alike. And that is very true. <laughs> you know, I'm an older mature guy, you young and you know, you you're still finding things out. So, uh, 
you know, and I don't expect you to think like me. I don't want anybody else to think like me, you right. know, because, you know, I, I try to think uh, along the lines of what's best for me. Right. You know, and like I've told you more than one time, you can't live nobody's life but your own. Right. You know, right. you can talk and give advice, but most people are going to do what they want to do. That's true. You know, you, you can talk all you want to. You can, you can tell a child, don't go there. Don't go there, ain't nothing but bad things happening there. But you know what? That child will listen to you, but curiosity might make that child go there. That's true. Find out for themselves why daddy t- keep telling me not to go there. You know, that's something you always instilled in me as a kid. Go find out for yourself. Go find out for yourself. If I tell you the sky is green, don't believe what I say. Go find out for yourself. Right. That way, when you talk about it, you got the facts. That's true. You got the facts. A lot of people start rattling off at the mouth, but they ain't got no facts. Always believe what some damn body else said or what they heard. Hey, go get the facts. Go get the facts. The facts are everywhere now. That's true. You got the Google. That's right. You got Google. You got your (laughs) smartphone. You can get the facts. That's true. I mean, and then, you know, like I say, you can go... Farther than the Wikipedia, that ain't you can good. go everywhere. I mean, yeah. Wikipedia, they give you the basics and everything, but you keep scrolling down there. You keep scrolling down there. Oh boy, you still pretty soon you'll get to the meat and the potatoes. Welcome to the rabbit hole of information. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Welcome to the rabbit hole. Absolutely. Yeah. You better believe it. Now, I don't care what the subject is. You keep right on digging. You keep right on digging. You'll find it. That's true. Yeah, that's a fact, boy. Well, Dad, thank you for being on the podcast. I've enjoyed this. We'll have to do this some other time. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, Imperfect Church, there you have it. Keep Pushing, part two, featuring my dad. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. It's always a pleasure and honor just to um, share the same space as my father. Um, growing up in a house with him, his stories, his reasons why, his wisdom, everything is such a incredible blessing in my life. And I hope that you've uh, gained some knowledge and some wisdom and uh, some encouragement and inspiration through this podcast. So share this um, podcast where you can. Like I said, you can find us on Apple Pod- Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as Anchor. Um, Thank you so much, Imperfect Church. Keep me lifted in your prayers. I'm keeping you all lifted in my prayers. Um, In the words of PB, God bless you. Goodbye.